Welcome to Ella Go. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back, everyone. I want to remind everyone that you can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. So you can just say, Alexa, play Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast, episode one. And she's going to do that. Today's guest is Dr. Wajita Small, and she is the founder and CEO of Capital Conscious U, LLC, a leadership development firm focused on helping career and entrepreneur women find and align their purpose with their careers and business. She is also the author of Our Leadership Journey, Shared Stories, Lessons, and Advice for Women of Color. And this is a book for women of color on the rise into positions of leadership and influence. So welcome, Dr. Small. Thank you so much for having me. I am happy to have you. And, you know, I spoke a little bit about the book because I was like, can't, can everybody have that damn book when they're becoming a manager because they need it. Um, So before we talk about the book and all the amazing things that you're doing, uh, could you introduce yourself to the listeners and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Sure. So I'm Dr. Wajita Small. Um, I consider myself a purpose alignment coach, as you mentioned. For me, purpose is very important. And when I talk about alignment is you always want to be purposeful in everything that you do, including your work. It should mean something to you because you spend so much time on it, so much energy, so much effort. There should be a connection to it. So to the point where you don't see it as work. Um, I have a background in human resources. I generally tell people, you know, that's my head work. You know, I went to school. I've, you know, kind of been in the industry for for a very long time. (laughs) I've been doing it for a while. And, you know, the book and uh, Capital Conscience You is really my heart work. That's what I believe my purpose is. Um, So I just... I absolutely love it. My, as you mentioned, my focus is women of color. Um, I love how you talked about, you know, saying Alexa plague, because I also have a podcast as well um, called leading with purpose podcast, which is on all platforms as well. So um, I'm doing a lot. Some might pe- some people might say I'm doing a little too much, um, but I'm doing the things that I love. So I don't consider it work. I like that you said that. I can resonate with that, although I'm slowly dying. But no, but anyways, <laughs> maybe I'll I'll be, uh, you know, re- refreshed after this interview. Um, yes, purpose alignment coach. And I remember I was on your podcast and I remember one of the questions you asked me was, it was really about what's your purpose? And not for nothing, uh, Dr. Small, I had to like really take a step back and be like, what the heck does she mean by that? What do you mean my purpose? Like, what do you mean? Like my purpose in life? I don't, I I couldn't even like, I couldn't even define it. Like, I'm like, what is it? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you was why is that so important? But you're right. You know, we spend so much time, you know, on things that may not even be aligned with our our purpose in life. And then it's like, okay, what is that purpose? Because I think, you know, like you said, if you, well, actually, let me ask you this. When someone does find their purpose and they are aligned with it, what? why is it so beneficial? Besides the time, what other things are beneficial to having that mindset? I think when you are at a place where you find your purpose and sometimes it takes folks a while and that's, and that's perfectly fine. 
And just to take it a step back, when I talk about purpose, just when you think about it on the very simplest level, it's the thing that gives you the feels. It literally makes you feel good when you do it. And you don't, again, you don't think about it as work. You don't spend as much time and energy combing through your mind to figure it out because it's, it, it's natural. Like you do it and it's just kind of like, oh, that felt really good. And at the end of the day, who doesn't want to feel good? Who doesn't want to be fulfilled literally in everything that they do. And I think the only way for anyone to really get to a place like that, you have to be intentional first. I think you have to be intentional. The other piece is you have to limit the barriers, in particular, the barriers that you place on yourself. And I think part of the reason why it takes folks a while to figure out what it is that they love is because they're putting bricks in front of them to, to keep them from moving forward. A lot of that stems from fear. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, fear is a very real thing. But my, for me, it's, you have to put it into context, put fear into context. So yes, fear is a very real thing. It is a, an emotional response from a real or perceived threat of harm physical harm to you or any kind of harm to you or someone that you love. If you put it in the context of trying something new, put it in the context of taking a step forward and doing something that you're passionate about. If you put that in the context of even just, you know, when you think of it from the corporate perspective, asking for a new assignment, asking for a raise, you know, seeing, you know, putting yourself out there, making connections with people. How is that going to hurt you? There will be no physical harm coming to you to say, hey, boss, I'd like to have a conversation with you about, you know, a project I'd like to work on. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you um, because I've been here for two years and, you know, I really see the contribution that I'm making and I want to make more contributions. Or, you know, I feel as if I'm not being compensated for the work that I'm doing. You're not going to bleed. <laughs> you're not <laughs> going to die. You know, you're not going to break anything. Um, at the end of the day, the worst that could happen is no. And you may feel some kind of way about it because, again, nobody wants to hear the word no. But also take that as an opportunity to understand why. Mm -hmm. Why did you receive a no? Is there something else that you need to do? It could also be maybe that's just not the place for you. Right. And you have to be able to recognize that as well and not be, be fearful. And this goes back to purpose because when you are unafraid, and you, you stop putting barriers in front of yourself. So many different things open up for you to discover mm -hmm. what it is that you love, for you to discover your purpose. Because, you know, now you're trying something new. Literally for me, I tell the story all the time in terms of how I discovered my purpose. I was in my PhD program and um, I saw someone that I followed on, I think it was Facebook. They had posted that they went to a conference, the Black Doctoral Network Conference. And I was like, okay, well, I'm about to be a Black doctor. Let me see what this is all about. So I went and I saw that they had um, a call for papers. And I had just finished my very first like mock research paper, like the first paper that prepares you for your dissertation, your major research that gets you your PhD. And I was with a friend and I was telling him about it. He's like, yeah, you should go. You're going to be Dr. Smart. Super hype, man. Loved it. Like everybody's going to know who you are. And I was like, you know what? Let me not be afraid. It, it literally is just a paper. They could not accept it. And it's kind of like, all right, I didn't, I didn't go in expecting anything. Um, to be honest, I actually went in expecting that they weren't mm -hmm. going to accept my paper because imposter syndrome, how could mm -hmm. I possibly know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And I submitted the paper, they accepted my paper, and I gave my presentation and I was super nervous. I, for some reason, I don't know, public speaking is just the worst for me. Either way, I went up there, presented my paper, and at the end, so many people came up to me, it was just like, thank you so much. I was like, Huh? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Just kind of like, you know, I'm going through the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm struggling with this as well. Like you, like this presentation really gave me a different perspective and it literally made me 
feel so good. And all I did was share my story. I shared the stories of the three women that I interviewed for the paper. And I shared the knowledge that I had based on my experience about this particular topic. And I saw the way that it impacted for me. That was the smallest thing in the world, Mm -hmm. but it had such a great impact on people. I didn't even know. And it made me feel like I had never felt like so, so happy and alive and just honestly proud of myself. And it's just kind of like, it's a feeling, honestly, you can't describe. And it was kind of like, this was amazing. Like, I want to feel like this all of the time. I want every effort that I put into any type of work to give me this feeling all the time. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, this is what I need to do. Whether it was writing papers and sharing, you know, my research, I ended up writing the book, but it was literally creating a space where I can share the stories in particular of women like me, share the knowledge that I gave I've been given and engage in exchange and conversation, listen to other people. If I can provide some insight. Okay. That's great. If not during that exchange, I learned something. And for me, learning has always been the most amazing feeling. And it was that, that one little thing that I was afraid to do. I did it. And it was just kind of like, Whoa, this is what I am supposed to be doing. Cause I never thought I could feel like that literally just, you know, this is the experience that I had because a lot of times when we're in a lot of different spaces, we're the only one in particular as women of color and just, just people of color in general. Mm -hmm. So we think what we experience, we're the only ones experiencing that because we only see ourselves experiencing it. So when you have the opportunity to interact with people that have the same experiences, they get to share their stories. You get to share yours. To, to me, again, that's just, that's just the most amazing thing. And that, that for me is my purpose, being able to create platforms where we can share our stories and engage in exchange to help each other grow. See, this is why I love talking to you. Okay. Because <laughs> no, because this is, this is something that we don't talk about. You know, when we say alignment and purpose and, You know, everything that you're saying, I can so resonate with that. It's a feeling that you can't even, there's no word for it. And, you know, and I can, to think, you know, Dr. Small, to think, how long did it take for me to feel that? (laughs) You know, I'm in my 40s. How long did it take for me to feel that, that magic that you feel, that tingling, that thing that you feel inside that you're like, oh, this is, this is, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do because I like it. Um, but with that, you know, being said, how you, you said a couple of things about being intentional and a lot of people use that word, but what the heck does that mean? Like the woman that's listening to this podcast and listening to you speak, and she wants to find her purpose and she wants to align with her purpose. What does it mean to be intentional? What does it mean to live your life with it, with intention? So when... So I am a certified purpose leader, right? And when I went through that learning process, they talked about, you know, the the components of purpose and kind of how you discover it. They generally put it in the context of organizations, but I saw it being so much, so related to just people in their personal lives, right? So you have to, when you think about your purpose, you think about your who, your why, and your how, right? Who are you doing it for? Whatever it is that you're doing, who are you doing it for? Who is it that you want to impact? For me, it's women of color, right? That's who I want to impact. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do the work that you do? I see so much misalignment, mistreatment, just discarding of women of color. We, we aren't provided with equal opportunity. And, you know, I know that's a buzzword, but it literally is. We are not provided with equal opportunity, equal access in a lot of spaces that we're in. So that's why I do the work that I do. Right. I want to, the, who I, my, my purpose is to create spaces for women of color to be their authentic selves and 
give them the tools so that they can thrive in every space that they enter. And then that's the how. How do I do that? I do that by creating platforms where we can engage in exchange. So the book is a platform. You can read it. You can have a discussion about it. You can see yourself. You can be inspired, right? I have my podcast, right? You know, I talk about my experience, the experiences, again, sharing the stories of women of color. Um, You know, my coaching, you know, the interaction, whether it's group or one-to-one, that's how I do it. So when you, when I talk about intent, it's, it's knowing, it's knowing those things. It's know who you're doing the work for. And it could very well be yourself. You can be doing the work for yourself, right? Why do you, why do you want to do, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to write a book? Why do you want to host a podcast? Why do you want to create a business? Why do you want to help needy children? Why? And then how are you, how are you going to do this? That, that's the intent. It's really knowing those things. And when you discover that for yourself, you start to, you start to be intentional. You start to be intentional with your living. And it doesn't have to be very specific. It can be your who, your why, and your how for your family. Mm-hmm. And then you have a separate one for your business. And you have a separate one for your job. But you're being intentional in everything that you do. And... I talk about my blog is called living, learning and leading with purpose. You know, how are you living with purpose? And it's the same thing, you know, with learning for me, I'm an endless learner. I think no one should ever stop learning, but you have to be intentional with it as well. My mentor always says you need to know something about everything and everything about something, right? Not to say that, you know, you're literally going to be a Ken Jennings and know all of these bits of trivia, but the know everything about something is being open to learning new things and not thinking that they don't matter because they do, because you are improving yourself, you're increasing your knowledge. And then of course the leading with purpose, and it's not necessarily or only in the organizational context or the business context, you're leading your family, right? You're leading in your community. It's all of those things in any space where we are looked to as the person that has the the moral, ethical, psychological kind of wherewithal that people want to follow. You want to be intentional with that as well. And again, you know, you, you be the CEO of you. That's, you know, one of the other things that I talk about is really owning your own life. And again, being intentional, you know, think, think about why are you engaging in all of the things that you're doing? Why do you spend so much effort Mm. in all of the things that you do? Is it healthy for you? Mm. I, you know, you, you meant, well, we talked about previously kind of my model for leadership and one of the greatest proponents of the leadership model, which is real reflect, invest and optimize is reflection. Like we really need to look internally and really focus one. How are we showing up for ourselves? Mm -hmm. Because in all honesty, we could say that we're leading people, but if we're not showing up for ourselves, we're Mm -hmm. not doing anything that's going to help us live better lives we are falling far short trying to do that for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about the, the leadership model yet, but we are going to touch upon that. Um, okay. I, I, oh, cause I think that's really important. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. So what about the person who was like, Oh yeah, that's great. Dr. Small, but you know what? Eh, I, I just live, I just live life. You know, I'm living life. You know, I, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to live it like I live it. Is that okay? I don't, that's fine. That's not necessarily something I believe because there's always a reason. Mm. There's always a reason. Whether you know what that reason is or not, doesn't mean that there is a reason. And it's taking the time to really reflect and discover what it is. If you just live in your life and you're like, okay, I don't want to do anything. Why don't you want to do anything? What's preventing you from taking the step to do something? What's preventing you from believing that you can actually accomplish something? All of the people that I have ever come across in my life, that's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, I just don't really want to do anything. 
they're afraid of something. They don't have the confidence to do it. They don't have the, you know, they have low self-esteem. They have low self-worth. Where that all stems from is a whole different. It's another podcast episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's a therapy. Yeah, yeah. There's always a reason and it's discovering what that reason is. Yeah. And it's, it's okay if you, and again, it's okay if you haven't discovered that some people never discover their purpose, but when you do, again, it's a feeling that you can't describe. I want that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Magic feeling. It's a, the, the juju. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it's funny you were mentioning how you can use, you know, living intentionally and having this purpose, having your you know purpose uh, aligned um, alignment. Um, you mentioned you can have that with your family. You know, the concept is not just with your family. I've heard it even in relationships, like, mm-hmm. you know, having in, you know, having intentional relationships, dating intentionally, like that's a word that I've heard is dating with intention. Can you just mm-hmm. speak a little bit about that? Because, you know, with the pandemic, everyone is, <laughs> everyone's alone. Some of us that are still single and we hear that word. Um, what does that mean to date with intentions? For me, my perspective, I think when you talk about dating with intention, it's, I'll use myself as an example, right? I, the, the, it's, what's the reason that you are seeking someone to share your space with? And it could, it could be whatever you decide that it is the intent on dating is to get physical connection because you don't have the physical connection. It could be to get an emotional connection because you feel that now you're in a space where you're able to manage your own emotions. You have enough overflow to share in that with someone else. You could be seeking out someone that has, you know, shared goals because you're looking for someone to build an empire Mm. with everyone has their own reason. The intention is the reason the intention is the goal. It's understanding again, it's understanding. I think for me, the why part of it, why do you want to engage in an emotionally connected or physically connected relationship with someone else, whoever that someone else Mm. is, Um, I think people get into sticky situations when they haven't identified what they need for themselves and then go out and seek it from someone else. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that first piece is knowing yourself, knowing what you want for yourself and understand and being in a place where you can give it to yourself before you go and seek it out from someone else. It's just kind of like, you know, when people say other people can't make you happy, Mm -hmm. you make yourself happy. Mm -hmm. And you, if you are not happy with yourself, no one else is going to be able to provide you with anything that's going to remotely make you feel any better than you already don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> all of that is yes. Um, I, I want to just summarize this for those who are still stuck on, okay, I still don't understand this whole purpose, intentional alignment and all that. So it almost sounds to me that when you have your purpose and you know what your purpose is in life and you you're living intentionally, it's almost as if you are able, because you know what your purpose is and you're living intentionally, it's saying that I know what my goals are in life. I know what my wants are in life. And because I know that, I know what it is I need to do to get it. You know, instead of sitting here wasting time on things and people that are not going to give me the things that I want. Could, could we just put that all together in a, you know, summarizing in how important it is to, to live a life like that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You summarized it perfectly. 
and you're the one who can give it to them. So you, you're, you're the coach. <laughs> you're the coach that can coach them and help them and guide them to to identify that and and get them to where they need to be. Right. Yep. Okay. That, yes. All right. So let's talk about the book, our leadership journey, and. I think you talked a little bit about why, what inspired you to write a, the book with, with the, you know, your, um, your story that you told us about. Um, but how about, why don't we just talk about what is the book about? Sure. So I like to consider the book as the mentor you needed, but you didn't have. And that's, that's really what it was for me. Um, it is, it's a reclaiming of my voice. Um, for a very long time, I'll say I lost it because I was afraid of, you know, the possible negative implications of using it. Right. Fear. Um, and it is me sharing everything that I know and sharing the stories of the women that participated. It's grounded in my research and their stories about their journeys into leadership and what that looks like. And, you know, all of the advice that I had ever been given from my mentors, from my sponsors, from the amazing women that mostly women and some men that I've come across throughout my career, lessons that I have learned um, and advice that I have given and advice the best advice that I could possibly give for a woman of color that, as you mentioned, on the rise into a position of leadership or influence in her organization, in her business, honestly, in her community um, as well. It was inspired, really, truly inspired by an amazing group of young women. I had the opportunity to be their manager and to be their mentor. And, you know, as I was going through through things, um, just kind of rising within. Um, and a lot of this took, took place over a span of time that I was in one particular relationship, um, relationship. Yes. A technically relationship with an organization. Um, but within an organization and I rose pretty quickly, but literally in every single meeting that I was in that had a manager, that had a director, that had an executive. I was the only black person in most of them. On occasion, my boss, who was a black man, was there, but he's a man. Mm -hmm. He's a black man, but he's a man. <laughs> and, you know, falling into the, the two social categories of being a woman and a person of color, that's kind of like, you know, two X marks mm -hmm. in a lot of spaces mm -hmm. and going through all of those experiences and really not having anyone that looked like me that went through it to be able to say, Hey girl, Hey, mm -hmm. this is what you need to look out for. It's just kind of like, I don't want them to go through any of these things. Mm -hmm. I want them to know this is what they need to look out for. This is what they need to do. This is how they need to move so that if at all possible, they could not experience some of the things that I experienced because I did not know, I did not have someone there to say, look out for these things. I wanted to do that. And so they, they inspired me because, you know, I saw, I saw them where I was going and part of my mentorship was preparing them to get there, but it was, yeah, I don't want them to go through this. Mm -hmm. Like, and I want it to be the representation that I didn't have. And that's what the book is. And, you know, I had to, you know, outside of my organization, I found groups of amazing women. It's just like, wow, like, they exist. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not the only unicorn, like, you know, they, they exist. And, you know, I, and what I value so much is that everyone that I came in contact with, anyone that I've ever considered a mentor, everyone that I've ever considered a sponsor just poured into me freely with intention. 
And I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to do the same thing for, you know, and people, it's not just for, you know, young women of color or people that are starting out in their careers. The oldest participant in my research, and I share her story in the book, was 65 years old. And even at 65 years old in the workforce, she said, you know, I think I would have accomplished a lot more if I had a mentor. But to be quite honest, I could still use one. Mm -hmm. Because having a mentor, just someone to just share what their experience was to say, you know, here's some things you can look at different than a sponsor, which is, I think, even more important, but you start off with a mentor, someone that looks like you, which is hard. Um, but when you just think from a social perspective and just kind of a biological perspective, people are more comfortable with people that look like them. That's just natural. And when you don't see anyone that looks like you, it does something to you. It does something to you psychologically. And I mentioned imposter earlier. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like when you are the out person in a group, when you are the different person, it's natural for you to question whether or not you belong in a space. It's natural for you to question, you know, whether or not you are as capable as the majority. And it could be you being a woman in a group of men. It could be you, a black person in a group of white people or what, whatever the case, when you are in a minority within that specific or that particular social setting, it's natural. But in understanding that you become conscious of what, what that feeling is, you know, to yourself, okay, I'm feeling this way because I'm the only black person, but I am capable. Mm -hmm. I am as capable, if not more capable than the other people in this room. And in this context, as it relates to the skills and knowledge that I have, being in the minority or having a different color or, you know, being a part of different social group doesn't factor into that. And it's just, it, it really is recognizing where that feeling comes from mm -hmm. to try and get over it. And I talk about that a little in, in the book too, in terms of not being afraid of yourself and recognizing the imposter mm -hmm. and why you're having that feeling. And I, long story, but like I went through all of those things and I, I needed to, I needed to give back. I needed to say, because again, I, 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 I went through overt racism, covert racism, <laughs> sexism, all kinds of, I have experienced almost all of the isms mm -hmm. in every organizational environment that I have been in. And that I've, I've survived, I'm thriving. Um, and, but I want that. I want that. And I think part of the reason we don't get the opportunities we need is because we don't take advantage of them. And that was the basis of my research. What are, what, what are the self-limiting factors that prevent our emergence as leaders when everything says yes. And we're just like, nah, I'll pass. Why do we pass? What are, what are the factors that play a role? And, you know, Fear plays a role. You know, our culture plays a role in terms of the responsibilities that are placed on us um, from our families. You know, the lack of support that we have from an organizational perspective and even from like a familiar perspective. When you think of people of color and the roles that women have in them, we have multiple roles. We're expected to have multiple roles. We're expected to be you know, if we have siblings, the sibling, but also the second parent, when we have our own families, we're supposed, we're expected to contribute to our family, but also be home and taking care of them. And we get into spaces sometimes where we don't have the person that says your goals are important. And it's being able to say to yourself, my goals are important and not feeling as if you have to choose and sometimes what does choosing look like? How do you find 
alignment? How do you become okay with knowing that you have a purpose and taking the steps to live, to live in it? Um, so that was a long explanation. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, no, this was good because I mean, as you were talking, I was like, oh my God, I could so resonate with everything that she's saying. And yeah, I think that I don't think people understand that you're right. It's human nature to want to see somebody that looks like them, you know, especially telling them that, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. These mm-hmm. are the things. I mean, it, it's just, it just is, <laughs> it just is, yeah. you know, you're more than likely to resonate with that person because they look like you, you know, they understand you, they validate, they know that your experiences, they know what the thinking, you know, everything that you're mm-hmm. saying is so right on, you know, even being a, you know, a, a Latina in, in, in the world and working in jobs where I am the only Latina and, or that I am the only woman and then questioning myself and maybe, Oh, I don't, and then you, you, you go right to the, I don't belong. I'm not accepted. Is it because, you know, I'm, it's because I'm the only woman in this group. Uh They don't understand. Um, I think that is really, really huge. Um, All the things that you were saying is big, but I, but also the great part about what you were saying is that this is this book is for those that are going to on their way to be leaders, you know, and then I think about that RIO leadership model, and we could talk about that now. And I looked into all those little, you know, the aspects of those models. And that's why I said to you when we began, why can't every, why can't everyone have that book? Because it makes you a human being. You know, it makes you a freaking human being and, mm-hmm. and self-reflect. And, you know, I mean, I can't imagine all the managers I can think of that were horrific were not very self-reflective and thought, you know, they didn't understand that their behavior and their thinking impacted us employees so negatively. And they mm-hmm. couldn't understand when we brought those things up to those issues to them. They couldn't understand what are, what were they what were we talking about? What do they mean? Mm-hmm. They're just doing their yeah. thing, you know. So going into this is a good transition into the RIO leadership model. Can you just explain what that's about and maybe briefly the elements that you have as part of that model, and why is it important to to live and lead by that model? Sure, sure. So RIO, Rio is reflect, invest, and optimize. And it's the model, the leadership model that I created. And I thought about, you know, all of the leaders, all of the really great leaders that I had, the type of leader that I wanted to be, and what I thought was important. So the reflect part is really about self-reflection, doing a deep dive internally. What's going on with me? How do I feel about myself? I talk about really quickly. I talk about kind of um, another model that I built called Sweep. Pronounced Sweep. It's S C W E E P, and it's a looking at the self. So looking at your self concept, your self worth, your self efficacy, your self esteem, and your self perception. How do you feel about yourself? Because what we don't understand is usually how we're feeling about ourselves is what we project onto other people. So, you know, I don't feel like I am worthy and it's kind of like, yeah, that person sucks. They can't do anything. You know, they don't have any value. Do you think you have value? And when you start to think about what value you have, you also start to see the value in others, right? So it's doing that deep dive, also looking at from a cultural perspective. What have you been taught? How has that impacted how you show up to people, what your perceptions are? And I talk about, you know, how you interact with people, systems, and processes. All of that plays a role. You know, I... You know, I talk to people. I grew up in a household where the women were leaders. My mother was a single mom. After my grandfather passed, my grandmother was a single mom to her children. So they they did everything. They were the breadwinners. They took care of the kids. They literally, my grandmother still takes care of some of her adult children, which blows my mind. <laughs> but it's just kind of like, you know, 
I grew up where we took the reins. We did what needed to get done. So for me, that's what I do. I do the things that need to get done, right? Because that's how I was brought up. I was brought up to believe myself to be in a position of leadership. And that was also the expectation. So for anyone to say you as a woman of color, as a black woman can't, Mm. it's just like, hold up. Mm. (laughs) That's problematic Mm because I don't know anything other than that. Oh, on the flip side, on the flip side, if you were taught that only you and you know, that you are above everyone else and that no one else is capable, that's how you're going to interact with, with people. You're going to think they're not capable. You're going to think that you are the only person that should have authority. Right. And that's your, your people, your systems and systems in terms of structures, right? If you were, you know, your culture and your culture can be your personal culture, the societal culture, societal culture says that the hierarchy or the vision of leadership at the top, you have your heterosexual white male. He's at the top, right? Mm -hmm. Then your next level is your heterosexual man of color right? Your homosexual white man, and then your heterosexual white woman, right? Then you have the third tier, right? Which is your heterosexual woman of color, your um, homosexual white woman, right? And then the last tier is your, or your LGBTQIA woman. Like we're like, Society mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. we're on the bottom, mm-hmm. like all the way at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone is socialized to believe. So God forbid we start hitting that ceiling, mm. right? Cracking that glass. No wonder people are just like, no, you need to, <laughs> you need to stay down here yeah. Yeah. because... Society says, you know, my upbringing says you aren't supposed to be on the level where I'm supposed to be. And that's part of the reason why it's so hard, because that's kind of ingrained enough from our our societal culture. Right. Our our home culture and just processes the way things are supposed to get done. So in the book, I um quote the research of Dr. Edwin Nichols, and he looks at culture very specifically. And one thing that is important to, it's to understand people on a cultural level, right? He talks about like, you know, their axiology, their epistemology, the logic, what what people value. And one thing that, you know, he talks about in terms of, you know, people of African descent, um, Latin American, we, what we value is relationships, we place the highest value on relationships. So trust for us is the most important thing. We literally feel people's energy. Like, you know, we can be in, you and I can have a conversation, someone walks in and we're just, we literally kind of move out the way because we feel the bad energy or the negative energy, or if they have the good energy, we're like, Hey, come in. Right. And that's what we value. So when you understand that about a person, right? I understand that from a cultural perspective, you as a Latina woman value trust. Relationships are important to you. So I, as your leader, as your colleague, should make an effort to show you that I want to have a relationship with you that I'm going to work to gain your trust because I know that's what you value and that's going to help us work so much better. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, when you think about people you work with and you know that, you know, they place the highest value on outcomes or things, Mm. right? Like they they're focused on the object. Okay. Here's the spreadsheet with the numbers. 
Don't argue with it. Why do I have to put a spreadsheet together? They value what is tangible. So give them something tangible. It takes nothing away from you to do that. It only, what it does, it helps you. It helps you be proactive and strategic in your approach, especially if you're dealing with difficult people. What's their modus operandi? Why do they do the things that they do? Mm-hmm. It takes effort to really get to know someone on that level. From just a general person perspective, you build better relationships. When you know people on that level, as a leader, you make better connections and you make a much more greater impact because it's not superficial. Oh, yeah. I don't like so-and-so because all she, she just wants to do the same thing all the time. All right. If she's expecting the same thing, give her the same thing. It, it takes nothing from you. It only helps you because now so-and-so is not on your back or giving you the side eye or have an attitude because you gave her something that she didn't ask for, or you gave her something different than what she was expecting. But you know that because as you've watched, you realize she wants the same, the same report formatted with the same numbers all the time. Clearly, she doesn't care about those other things. Don't give them to her because she doesn't care about it. All of those things, when you think about leadership, it is about an exchange. It's about a relationship. You can't have valuable relationships if you don't get to know people. And for me, that's one of the most important things. But long story going back, you can't do that without self-reflection. You can't do that without reflecting on your own beliefs, your own limiting beliefs, how you grew up, what your, what your values are. You have to understand that about yourself first, because then you know how you show up. You start to, you're, you're more open when you do that in general, which allows you the space, if you will, to make the effort to learn all of those things about the people that are around you. Drop mic. Dr. Small. Damn. <laughs> Girl, damn. Okay. There are so many things you said. You just, you, I just had a mind shift. I, I literally had a mind shift because so many things you said that were amazing. Um, my God, I wish I, I, there's so many topics I could talk to you about. Um, but one of the things I wanted to say is that you hit it on the nail when you said, you know, based on how you grew up, you know, you you growing up with women who are leaders and and single moms and telling you 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 just get the job done. I resonate with that. I don't like to be told I can't do something. Are you kidding? What do you mean by that? Like you said that that was that hit that hit hard. And it made sense of why I have so so uh conflicting relationships with some of my supervisors and managers who don't, who do the, no, you can't do that. Or no, I don't want you to do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't do that. And it's, that is so huge. It's almost as if you're like a, you're like a business therapist, like you're a career therapist (laughs) because like you're, you're asking these people to self-reflect, find out where, you know, how they grew up and how that impacts their, the way they, they, they lead and how they communicate with people, especially in this leadership role. That's why I said this book has to be in the hands of a lot of managers and leaders, because I think that's just so huge. I mean, you just so some of the things that you mentioned about having that sense of reflection. There's a book out there that talks about how to deal with managers or people in managerial positions that have personality disorders like that's a real thing because they're not reflecting and they're not you know they're not following that leadership model and you know you need to work with someone like that and good luck um just so many things that you said I it's just gold Uh, I think that that model is something that definitely needs to be implemented when you do become and I like how you said when I said, when you do become a leader, when you're on the rise, because then when you are in that position, you have the tools that you need Mm -hmm. to lead effectively. And again, going back to a leading with a purpose, leading with intention, you know, that all makes amazing sense. Um, 
So I'm going to ask you the next question. Um, and I think that you've hit upon a couple of questions I was going to ask you, but to close, because there's so many things you said that were just amazing. Um, what's one thing that you would tell a woman that's having a hard time finding her purpose right now? You know, especially now in this pandemic, whether it be personal, whether that be in a leadership role, what would you tell them that you think would be helpful and beneficial to them? It may sound cliche, but the one thing that I would tell them is be unafraid. Recognize the fear because it's there and let it go. Put, Put it into context, understand it recognize it, appreciate it, and then let it go. I feel that. (laughs) I totally feel that. All right. Thank you, Dr. Small. Thank you so much. I, this has been a, I just love talking to you. I love talking to you because these are the things that we don't talk about in every aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you're coming from a leadership aspect and, you know, being in, in, career and job wise, but these things, these tools that you dropped are just not just for that. It's even in dating, in relationships with our parents and families and everything. And it's just things that we don't talk about enough because I think that when you do talk about these things and even saying about releasing the fear, we would feel that juju, that magic (laughs) that you and Mm -hmm. I can't put a word to. So yeah, I want to thank you so much again. Um, where can we find you? I am on Instagram. So, well, thank you for having me first off. Um, if you haven't noticed, I love talking about all of these things because it's just, this is what I am supposed to do, right? This is my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. I am at Dr. Dr. Underscore WL Small. That is the same on Twitter. I am doctor at doctor underscore, I'm sorry, at doctor small on Facebook. And I am also on Clubhouse at doctor underscore W. Um, I was going to ask you about my that. website. <laughs> yes, your website, your <laughs> First website. Name and last. Yes, website is www.wajidasmall.com, W-A-A-J-I-D-A-S-M-A-L-L.com. And you can find the book on Amazon. You just search Wajida Small, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, all of your online book retailers. Yeah, and we'll have all the links to everything, the book, her website, how to get in touch with her. I, I think you're amazing. I think you're amazing. And, it, and as a, as a woman to another woman, I feel so empowered just talking to you. And, you know, what you're doing is amazing, amazing work. And I, I'm just happy and, and so, you know, uh, grateful to have you in my space on a Saturday afternoon. I, I'm so yeah, grateful. Mind shifts. Mind shifts happen today, Dr. Small. <laughs> so I am so, so thankful for you. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. All right. So thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, bye.